Yes, he does. Deep in the pocket. Touchdown. Touchdown, Chicago. You're listening to the number one Chicago Bears podcast. Unrivaled, unmatched, and unequaled. Hogan Johns. Covering the Bears from CHGO, it's Adam Ho. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Together, they're the Adams. The Adams converge. The consummate pros, the incomparable Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan and Johns with you going into championship weekend. Four teams left. None of them the Bears, in case you were wondering. Um, Bears have more important things to worry about, like, you know, the number one overall pick. Senior Bowl. This this is my uh, – I like this day. Well, this Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, better than the actual Super Bowl. Can I just be honest? It's just two great football games. Wow. We have four great teams. It's a longer day of food and libations. It's It's a good day. Yeah. It's a great football day. For football guys like you and me. Beer drinking football guys. Beer drinking football guys. Shirt available at obviousshirts.com. I like Boom. What you did See there. that? We're good. That's still my favorite shirt, by the way, that we have. We need to sell more of those. Guys. Yeah. Um, well, welcome in. Adam Hogue, Adam Johns. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. And yeah, that merch is up. Obviousshirts.com. It's always available for you. Great people over there. Um, check it out. And you can read Johnsy on The Athletic. You can read me at allchgo.com. We have a uh, a good guest on today. I'm not sure Jeff Howe's ever been on the pod before. Yeah, he was. When? The National Writers Show. The na- oh, the one you did. That's yes. why I don't remember it. Yes. Because yes. I wasn't part of that interview. Yes. Good job by you. The, the National Media versus Bears fans show. That was a popular episode. Yeah, go listen back, everybody. Which you get 99% of the credit for. I obviously do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Congrats on taking it. Um, but j- So Jeff is back. I apologize. Jeff is, uh, and I was excited to talk to him, and, and uh, we are going to talk to him. So uh, he'll be on this. Just give us some perspective on what's been going on on a number of different national things. Obviously, you got the games this weekend. You got the coaching searches going on. You got a quarterback carousel that's about to go crazy, and that definitely affects the Bears. Um, a ton of dominoes that need to fall before the Bears can even talk about trading the number one pick. Um, and so Jeff's going to help us sort through all that. But a couple of things to get to before we bring him in. Draft-related. Um Couple mock drafts coming out as always. They tend to fly like I don't know five every day or something like that. I <laughs> I do appreciate that. Um, well, there's always like a few big ones, right? That like like the one we're about to talk about. Well, Mike Mel Kuyper's just came out. Everybody likes to talk about Mel Kuyper's first mock draft. Todd, 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 Todd. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Jalen Carter. Here's what I like about the mock drafts that have come out. And this is an indication. I think everybody's on the same page. The Bears are probably trading out because most of these draft analysts like don't even entertain the idea of trades. It just gets too complicated. I get it. I totally get it. But like every single mock draft either is is actually including a trade. Didn't Dane do that with his last week? He did. Um, or they're like, eh, the Bears are probably trading. But if they stay at number one. Mel Kuyper has him taking Jalen Carter. Well, I think any a- analysis of it starts with what Matt Eberflus said. The three-technique defensive tackle is the engine of the defense. Mm-hmm. Engine. Engine. Well, speaking of dominoes falling, though, um, 
that could be addressed in free agency. Yes. And actually, if you look at what the Bears did last year, trying to acquire Larry Ogunjobi with the most money they offered anybody in free agency last year, the first move they were trying to get done, to me, that's an indication that they could go that route again. And then they aggressively pursued their plan B in Justin Jones. Yes. Matty Berflus got him on the phone immediately after the failed physical. And he was a solid starter, but to me, not the engine that makes the whole defense go. Is that fair? That's very fair. Yeah. Um, But somebody I'd still like to have around next year for sure. I think you can play a lot of different positions on your line. You know what else came out this week? Dane Brugler's top 15 players at each position. I feel like some readers, listeners, like prefer these rankings a little bit because there's so much. It's January, right? There's so much movement to be had uh, in terms of, although we mentioned the quarterback carousel, free agency uh, still has to play itself out. But you want me to list off a few of these positions real quick? Sure. All right, quarterback, you have Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Will Levis. Okay. It is top receiver, Jordan Addison from USC. Top offensive tackle, this is interesting, Paris Johnson Jr. and Broderick Jones of Georgia. Paris Johnson Jr. is obviously from Ohio State. Nowhere is Peter Skronsky. You know where Peter Skronsky is? At guard? At guard. Top-rated guard, Peter Skronsky from Northwestern. Edge rusher, yeah, Will Anderson from Alabama. Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech is his number two. Miles Murphy from Clemson is his number three. Likely all first-round picks. And then at defensive tackle, you have Jalen Carter as his top defensive tackle. And Brian Breesey from Clemson, who I like a lot, actually, as his number two guy in the middle. Want more? Do you have more? There's a lot more here, bud. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, I, mean, I think that's good for now. We can direct people to go find it, uh, of course, on The Athletic. If you're not subscribed, theathletic.com slash Hogue and Johns is where you go. Um, it's interesting about Skaronsky. Yeah, I wanted your thoughts on that. I think that's an arm length thing. Yeah, but that's the same thing with Sean Slater, and he's doing just fine. I just don't think it shows up on his tape as a big problem. I mean, I get that it's going to show up, but the combine is a big problem. But I just feel like that's one of those things where, like, if it doesn't translate to the tape, then he's going to be all right. Yeah. Well, here's a tease. We're going to talk to... Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, I do think that's why it makes him a very safe first-round pick. Because if it doesn't work out at tackle, I think there's no doubt in my mind he's still going to be a really good guard. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wonder if it's what... Dane is hearing from his sources around the league. Some Sometimes I think he takes that into consideration. We'll hear from Dane, not this podcast, but uh, one in February coming up soon. He's going to become uh, do some draft series with, with Dane here, at least a few episodes. Yeah, no, Dane's going to be on the show somewhat regularly leading up to the draft, at least once a month, if not more. Um you know, look, Bears have the number one pick. He's our he's our guy. He's he's the the He's the, the beast. You know, be- He's becoming maybe the best draft analyst out there. Um, And he gives us the beast every year. So, yeah, he's going to be on here a lot. That's interesting, though. That's interesting. Um, Can I just say that 
you, we do this every year, I feel like. And I just want it on the record now, January 26th. Okay. Could just please use a late round pick on a quarterback at any point. Like like if 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 Jake Hayner from Fresno State, who I like, is available late. If Aiden O'Connell, Stevenson kid down the street from Purdue, is available, like just just do it. Cause, cause maybe you'll you get just, Brock Purdy. You just you just, but it's not even just Brock Purdy. It's it's Gardner Minshew. There's a whole list of guys that they're not. They're just, and nobody's saying to replace Justin Fields by no means. Just to have. Backup options. Like, especially late where it's just all a crapshoot anyway. You're just picking players you, you, you like and sometimes based on need. Like, like I get, and, and here's the thing, I get that, like, you need to prioritize special teams. Trust me, special teams guy here. Late round, you can get good special teamers in late rounds. You could get them in undrafted free agency. That's what I was going to say. And also, you can get them in free agency, like, literally any week of the season. How many guys do we just see come up and like go from the Giants one week to a different team another week and just go out there and and do special teams? It, there's plenty of guys you can find um, that, quite frankly, might even have more experience doing all the things you're asking them to do on teams. There's no reason. There's just no reason you need Elijah Hicks over Brock Purdy. Obviously, this version of Brock Purdy. That sounds like hindsight, but we say this every year. I, I wouldn't mind if Ryan Pohl strikes me as a, like when he says he he, he prioritizes places a priority. Man, I need more coffee this morning. Very How about Stetson Bennett? Late. There's like, there's some overlap there with Justin Fields. I mean, there had to be. He was at Georgia for ten I years. I think he's older than Justin Fields. He is. He's got that going for him. Uh, I don't think he's older than Bayless Jones, though. But to go back to my point, Ryan Poles places an emphasis on drafting the premier positions. Like, I, I don't mind that, like, like all the offensive linemen taken late last year. You needed them, right? You needed an offense. You need to fix an offensive line. Totally get that. Quarterback still premier position. I, I I get where you're going with this. Like, let's. It's not so much a swing. Maybe take a double. Not a home run, you know. I, I, baseball metaphor here. Just try, try to bring in another premier position in the quarterback. I just don't think it ever hurts to have another guy that you're working on developing at the most important position in sports could also potentially serve as your backup. I, I think the perfect, I think the perfect quarterback room is to have your Justin Fields, you know, your franchise guy that you believe in, a veteran, either backup or third string depending on how it works, but that veteran guy who knows everything and can always be that extra kind of coach in the room and play decently, give you a chance to win if he needs to. And then also your young developmental quarterback that, yeah, you're almost taking a flyer on, but you're hoping worst case scenario, he he can be that backup guy eventually. and, And so no one's even, we're not saying this to like, yeah, so you have Brock Purdy. No, like that that's obviously kind of crazy and doesn't work out that and, way. And but, let's not ignore the situation he's in there. 
Correct. And that's not the bear situation. But there are other guys like Gardner Minshew that also were not in perfect situations and just has, aren't able to go out there like you saw with the Eagles this year. The Eagles, Jalen Hurts goes down, Gardner Minshew went out there and, you know, did okay. Nick Mullins. Yeah. Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins. Former 49ers backup is still in the league somewhere now, right? He was your guy's backup this year. Oh, yeah. My guy. My your guy, guy Kirk Cousins. Guy. My guy. He, he was, was his backup. Oh, forget drafting Nick Mullins. He was undrafted out of yeah. Southern Miss, signed to the 49ers in 2017. But the Bears don't even really do that. Do they even sign undrafted quarterbacks? They have. Not ones that stick around long, though. Yeah. Well, isn't I'd have to go back. I haven't looked up the stat in a while, but they signed Jordan Lynch as an undrafted quarterback and moved him to running back. I said quarterback. Head coach of Mount Carmel, Jordan. Great Lynch. head coach of Mount Carmel. The Bears don't draft quarterbacks. Fields, Trubisky. No, no. They draft quarterbacks. <laughs> Harbaugh, Grossman, Orton. I could go on. I know, but. I know it's really saying. not that many when you really look at it. Like you're you're talking about. Well, look at the the Grossman Orton thing, right? They drafted him a year later after Grossman. He eventually became your starter. Orton was a fourth round pick. That's your the, point. The yeah, and the only other quarterback they took, like I think the last quarterback they had drafted before Trubisky was David Fails, sixth round pick name? out of San Jose State. Ugh. Come on. That was after Jay Cutler got his record-setting deal from Phil Emery. And, and, I, and like you could be like, okay, well, that didn't work. Well, yeah, But if you do that every year, if you take a late-round swing on a quarterback every year, one of them's going to work. I think David Fales is still in the league. No, he's not. No chance. You think so? No, he was out. No he lasted the 2020 okay. with the Jets. So, okay. Let's get to Jeff. It's good okay. stuff on the draft to, to start. But it, it, speaking of all this quarterback stuff, Jeff can speak to a lot of this stuff that's about to happen. Um, he also covered a guy named Tom Brady for a while. You may have heard of him. So let's bring in our guy, Jeff Howe, into Hogan Johns. All right, well, with these uh, big games going on this weekend, we thought it'd be a, a good time to bring in a national writer, and nobody does better than Jeff Howe. He writes for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff P. Howe. What's going on, Jeff? How we doing? We're good. We're uh, you know going through our normal offseason of not covering the team we cover in the playoffs. <laughs> and this is a very not normal one for, for Jeff without the Patriots. That's true. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh... Still, still a little weird. Um, moving on to this national gig, I guess. Um, covering the Patriots for twelve and a half years, and we were just talking off air. I'm going to the Senior Bowl for the second time because the Patriots were always in the AFC Championship game that week. So, still kind of figuring out this offseason road roadmap. Yeah, unlike you, I've been the Mobile about five or six times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, you this you is gotta the, give me uh, the spots to hit. This is actually the second time in what six years that the the head coach of the team is a Bears coach, <laughs> so, so that happens. That happens. But usually, we're covering a, a you know a coaching search or a GM search right now. So at least we don't have to deal with that this year. Um, but you were at the Chiefs Jaguars game last week. You've been you've been covering these playoff games, and 
Um, I, I guess we'll we'll start there with what was an interesting game. I still think there's a path to the Jags winning that game if Patrick Mahomes doesn't return. I know some people have been like on Andy Reid for, did you really need to put him in there? Could you have made it worse? Did you hurt your Super Bowl chances? And I'm like, I don't know. I think that, you know, the Jaguars were hanging in that game. But what was your overall just takeaway from that game, including Trevor Lawrence, too, on the Jag side? Yeah, I mean, they were an interesting team to get to know over the last month. And, you know, I, I did a feature, I don't know, several weeks ago on Lawrence and Peterson and why they were on the rise and just kind of learning what makes those guys tick and why they work so well together, the confidence they have in each other. Lawrence mentioning that he needed to rebuild his confidence going into the season because of everything that happened his rookie year. And it kind of it just reinforces how much coaching matters. And then. Watching the Jaguars play down the stretch when they had won eight of ten going into that Chiefs game, like even some of those regular season games, what doesn't matter what the opponent was. I mean, think of how think of where the Jaguars came from. So when you beat a team like the Raiders, like that, that still means something, um, even if it's a seventeen point comeback. You know, there were like chips of this foundation that were put in place slowly along the way. You saw all that come to a culmination uh, in that Chargers win down twenty seven nothing. Now, obviously, a lot of things have to go right, but like this is a team that truly believed in itself, and, and they've set themselves up for success in the future because Lawrence obviously is the real deal, and Peterson's a damn good coach. So that Chiefs game was it was emblematic of a couple things: some missed chances, obviously, but just a team that wasn't ready to go into Arrowhead and win, despite the fact that they had a lot of opportunities. You know, there was. Um, you know, obviously Mahomes went down midway through the second series and the pass rush was getting to him early in those first the ser- first series and a half. But he was able to elude that pass rush, make some plays, basically got them into position to score 10 points before he had to go to the locker room. And then there was a huge missed opportunity there. Chad Henney backed up to his two yard line. They couldn't make the stops, made a key uh, roughing the passer penalty that was a mistake. And then coming out of halftime, I thought was even more crucial because Mahomes couldn't move. And you saw that on an early third down scramble uh, when he got just past the sticks and then basically crumbled to the turf. You could tell that the explosiveness was not there. He wasn't going to be right. Then he started missing throws out to the flats um, and, and really more toward the sideline because he couldn't push off. So they had two scoreless possessions out of the half, but the Jaguars couldn't do anything with it. You know, they stopped throwing vertically. It was all those passes out to the flat, trying to get the screen game working, which I understand to an extent. But, you know, when he was throwing the ball downfield, when he had some time in the pocket, Lawrence was doing pretty well with it. But, you know, and then you look at the fumble just short of the goal line, that late interception that was borderline garbage time at that point. But all that said, like they still only lost by a touchdown. So the opportunity was there. Credit the Chiefs for, especially on the fly, uh, Andy Reid scheming up enough things to to get Kelsey open. Again, the, the Jaguars deserve some blame for not chipping him at the line more aggressively, but it was just really interesting. I mean, I just I think going into I don't want to jump ahead, you know, too many questions, but just a quick teaser on this, like going into this AFC championship game, I was going to pick the Bengals either way, but I just I don't see a way that the Chiefs can beat them if Mahomes look like he looks looks like he looked in the second half against the Jaguars. Let's go to Trevor Lawrence or, or back to him real quick before we talk about that game. Um, Maybe it's just here in Chicago, but 
the Jaguars and the Bears are in the same conversations, at least for now. You got the first round quarterback, same draft year, new head coach. Obviously, they went a little bit further. Maybe the Jaguars have become the most recent example for quick turnarounds or, or that they can happen. A good example of it. What do you make of, of, of that? Like having them in the same conversation? Like, what do you make of Trevor Lawrence's success? You know, maybe compared to what Justin Fields did this year with Matt Eberflus. Well, I think those are the two guys. I, I I really like what Fields did this season. And is it complete? No, no quarterback is complete through two years of their NFL career. But I I noticed on Twitter, like every time I tweeted something nice about Justin Fields, he had all the like the critics who were like, oh well, he's still not. You know, he's still going to work on the passing game. Like, I get it. I get it. Like, he's rounding into form. Like, nobody is a complete picture through two seasons. But I think the Jaguars are at least a full year ahead of – I mean, I, that goes without saying because of the standings. But just looking at the cap space that the Bears are going to have, the chance that you're going to have to, you know, invest some high picks to put around fields. I think we all knew that – uh, early in the season, I didn't expect the Jaguars to struggle as badly as they did. It's not a surprise because they're the Jaguars and they've struggled for the vast majority of their organization's history. But like they were a team that had the pieces in place and uh, a winnable division. And they just it took them slow, a lot longer to get going. Like I didn't expect the Bears to be all that competitive this year just because they it was fields and like a couple other pieces and that's it. And that's not enough for a team to, to really contend. So next year is the year that they might be that team, like the Seahawks or, or the jets for a while, or, you know, the lions, the Jaguars, one of those teams that could come out of, I guess, nowhere, quote unquote, and make a push for a playoff spot. If they hit on all the moves that they need to make this off season. Bears, obviously not needing a head coach this year, but I am fascinated kind of following this. So I want to get your insight on um, what's been going on. It seems like it's been a sort of a stagnant head coaching <laughs> cycle. And like, I don't know if we're all just waiting for Sean Payton, the Sean Payton domino to drop or what's going on here. But just what's your what's your overall thoughts on how this has played out? Well, Jim Irsay just narrowed his uh, list down to seven, so he's from, he's from twenty, there. right? <laughs> yeah, right. From four hundred to seven, uh, <laughs> Jeff Saturday it, and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's slow. It's slow across the board. I think Sean Payton's the big piece, but the other part is D'Amico Ryan's is as deserving of a candidate as any. His team is still playing. Shane Steichen, Jonathan Gannon, their teams are still in it. Not quite sure what's if anything's going to happen with the Bengals guys, but you know there's some some talent on that coaching staff. So there there are some really impressive pieces still in the field, and then you know Dan Quinn just got eliminated, so maybe his his um, picture is taking a little longer to to be to to clear up. Um, but then there's the other side of it, like look at the open, like how many qualified candidates really want to work for the Colts after watching what just happened midway through that season. How many qualified candidates want to work for the Texans after going one and done? I think the third team in NFL history or since the Super Bowl era to go one and done in back-to-back era, uh, back-to-back years. There's got to be some questions with what's going on in Arizona. And, and you've got to wonder, you know, Denver, the job on the surface looks great, but you've got to wonder what's going on with the ownership group and, are those last two games of Russell Wilson indicative of a quarterback who can still absolutely be saved? 
Or is this a guy who's did the coaching totally sabotage? Like there are questions there. And, and then Carolina, it's like, all right, it seems like everybody wants Steve Wilkes, but they're going through their process as well. Uh, and what type of a coach are they looking for? So you've also got a relatively young in terms of experience owner in Carolina, a first year ownership group in Denver. So there's a lot of reason you add all this stuff together and it makes sense that everything's happening slowly. But of course, everybody wants to see what's going to happen with Peyton, D'Amico Ryan's, Dan Quinn, and maybe a few others before kind of figuring out like, are the Texans really going to get their first choice? Like realistically, I don't know. So you got to wait to see, like, is Denver the priority for some of these big name coaches? Is it Carolina? It's just, there's a lot to be determined. One of the subplots of all that is all these offensive coordinator openings too. I know New England just filled theirs after a pretty turbulent year with Patricia or whatever it was, whatever was going on there. But what do you make of all those openings? You know, sometimes there's young quarterbacks that don't pan out. I'm just curious for your thoughts. Yeah, it's, there's a couple themes, you know, one of it is of course, underperformance as it always is. And I kind of, there's 13 openings. So the lack of performance, I, I jotted down here, chargers, bucks, Ravens, commanders, Patriots, Titans, Broncos, jets. So that's why they're you know, kind of put the Broncos in the other one too. The other category is just like coaching staff turnover. So you can throw the Broncos there, the Panthers, Cardinals, Texans, Colts, you know, they're looking for new staffs. You know, some of those lost their coordinators along the way. And then the 13th, which is kind of an outlier, is Liam Cohen left the Rams to go to Kentucky just so he can call plays again. So I think you want to focus on really the, the seven where it's the underperformance and less as a whole of like turning over the entire coaching staff or at least the top guy there. And it's just, you know, you got Justin Herbert, you know, it's weird. Everybody wants to rush to criticize the Chargers. The guy had fractured rib cartilage in like week two or week three and and played through it. Like rib injuries suck. Like I can't imagine being a quarterback and having to play through something like that with a 290-pound guy who can run a 4-4, you know, beelining at me every single play. And then not to top it off, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams were hurt for a good chunk of the season. So I don't know. Either way, you, you could tell that they needed something fresh there in terms of the OC, just to kind of take that next step. And then there's going to be a lot of pressure on Staley, of course, going into next year. But you had some uncertain quarterback situations. Um, you know, the Ravens, they lost Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson wasn't playing all that well for a portion of the season before um, before he went down. But was that on Lamar or was that on the offensive system? And I think ultimately John Harbaugh decided it was on the offensive system. So you know, the Bucks offensive system. It wasn't Brady turning 45 and then, you know, turning into a pumpkin there. This was uh, an offense that had widespread, widespread problems. There were personnel issues. There were injury issues. But the coaching wasn't the same once Bruce Arians left. And then, yeah, I mean, the Patriots were a mess in, in a million different ways. And, you know, the commanders, their quarterback situation has been in flux. And they put the the coach out there to to blame, I guess. But you know, this could be an organization that's also trying to marry up a new coordinator with a new quarterback yet again in the offseason. So it's just always about these teams that are chasing after something that they still don't have within their grasp. You covered Tom Brady for a long time. Did. What do you what do you think he does? Where do you think he ends up? I think the writing has been on the wall since 
probably midway through the season that the Raiders were going to make the most sense. And then as soon as they benched Derek Carr, it was like, you know, flashing neon lights in the Vegas strip that was like, Tom, come here. Um, it's it just makes so much sense because I can't envision him going out the way that he did a season's worth of frustrations um, with the the lack of production around him. And then again, the coaching wasn't great and the offensive system struggled. So my biggest thing with this, when you are as accomplished as he is, you've dealt with good coaching for the vast majority of your career. And then all of a sudden you have a season like this where the coaching kind of just falls completely apart. What are you going to gravitate toward? Something familiar. And that's something familiar uh, opened the doors for a quarterback opening right around, what was it, Christmas when they benched Carr. And I just, that's where it's going to start. It has to, in my opinion. You can make cases for a handful of other places, but it, it I just Brady and McDaniel's worked so well together for so long. The Raiders, of course, have holes. You know, people are going to compare the situations in Tampa and Vegas and say, "All right, well, the offensive line wasn't good in Tampa. It's not good in Vegas." Yeah, I get it. Defense wasn't isn't good right now in Vegas. They need some. They need to overhaul some things. They're going to have sixty million dollars in cap space. They're going to go into a draft with their first two picks for the first time in this regime because they gave up those assets in the Devontae Adams trade. This is a team that I think has a chance to go in and, and win. And like Tom Brady is not going to a team that's all of a sudden going to carry him to a Super Bowl. Like I don't think the 49ers are going to pick up the phone and say, we want to give you $25 million when you've got Brock Purdy making like 700 K playing the way he is. So the Raiders just make entirely too much sense, and they have for quite a while. But we're so used to covering these this quarterback carousel. We, we kind of phrased it here, these quarterback dominoes, um, from Nick Foles to, to Andy Dalton here. How do you rank them this year? Is it Tom first? Wait, wait, you started with Nick Foles? I mean, we could have started with, like, we like why do Jim that, McMahon though? if you why, really wanted why, to. Why, why go that route, though? <laughs> I was having a nice Thursday morning. That's just you fast forward. It's so the Bears like, have I, Justin Fields right now, <laughs> so it's a little bit different. Is what I'm saying. They they have Fields, and, and we're we're kind of watching it differently because you they have the first overall pick. And, and I, I guess what I'm getting to is like you, you need Tom Brady to go somewhere, you need Derek Carr to go somewhere, then everybody else starts scrambling for their quarterback, and sometimes that'll be in the draft. So I'm curious how you would rank those dominoes, and what do you make of the Bears trading the first overall pick? Yeah, um, we'll start with the quarterbacks. I mean, you if you're an organization that needs a veteran quarterback, you gotta you, you know like those diagrams. It's like, all right, do I have a chance? Where's my hand here? Yeah, Boom, there there's the box. <laughs> do I have a chance to get Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? If the answer is yes, then you say, okay, we don't need you, Derek Carr. If the answer is no, then you say, all right, what's it going to take to get Derek Carr by February fifteenth when that option and when the the contract becomes fully guaranteed? So that's it's weird because like obviously there are, there are better options out there than Carr, not to like you know dump on Carr like he's still a good quarterback uh, who needed to have a better year this past year, but is still a good player, uh, definitely a starting caliber quarterback, maybe as good as a top twenty starting caliber quarterback in the right situation. Um, if you can't, if you realistically don't think that Tom Brady's in your future, you got to get aggressive next week in mobile trying to talk to the Raiders to see what it would take to get him. I, I, and you have to sell it on car because he's got the no trade clause. So you need a few parties working together. 
before that February 15th date. Um, because the trades can't become official, you need to have car do something with the option to kind of defer that another month. You, you so need to go to Mexico together with everybody and throw like a party and make these <laughs> <Right>. secret deals. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You gotta, you know, do it up for Instagram and everything like that. Um, so it's, but like, if you're the Raiders, it, it really all starts with them going in and coming out or going out because you're moving car somewhere in theory, or you're releasing him and then you're going after Brady. And if it's not going to be Brady, then you go after Garoppolo. And I'd be surprised if they missed on both of those. So I think either Brady or Garoppolo goes to the Raiders. And then if you're the NFC South, which every team needs a quarterback there, if you're the Jets, then you set your sights on Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo. If Garoppolo, if Brady goes to Vegas and then it's a long shot, you know, you, you kick the tires on Aaron Rodgers. I think that contract is going to make it extremely difficult to move him, but it's Aaron Rodgers. We know stranger things have happened. So could he move? Certainly. I mean, what's so crazy about this is these quarterback dominoes. If you're a team that, you know, might have access to Bryce Young in the draft or, you know, just there's so many variables. What are your valuations on the draft QBs? Do you feel like you can get the guy you want? If not, like the timing of all this is crazy, because if not, then you got to go out and get. Derek Carr or whoever, like you, you got to go get your guy. There's so many teams with quarterback needs right now. And then here the Bears are with the number one pick and seemingly ha- having their quarterback. It's just, it seems inevitable that the Bears trade out of number one. But how do you feel like this plays out, Jeff, if you can even pinpoint it at all at this point? Yeah, I think going into these next couple weeks with the bowl games, Bryce Young goes in as the number one guy and you know just in terms of the player the ability he's number one pick material everybody's concerned with the size it's just how how concerned are you so concerned that you would go away from a really good player and and allow him to be a, a franchise quarterback somewhere else and just kind of bank on the fact that you know whatever his health may turn out to be and then you've got cj stroud will levis uh I, I'm extremely concerned about the amount of turnovers Will Levis has had. And he was very good in one season with Liam Cohen and mediocre in one season without Liam Cohen. So you have to be fully invested. You're talking a top five pick to get Will Levis projected. I mean, things weird things can happen. Um, but a top five pick on a guy, you better be really sure that he can succeed in your offensive system. And then Stroud is kind of like, I mean, he's been that guy who's been projecting as a top five pick for a few years. So people have kind of been a little more confident in probably his study. And then you kind of look back at, you know, Anthony Richardson. You've got Hendon Hooker, who's going to be coming off of the ACL. Uh, The kid from Fresno State, whose name I can never remember. So you've got some second tier caliber prospects there, too. But kind of building into what should the Bears do? If the Texans are calling, I think it's easy. You just accept whatever they're going to give you. I don't. If it's the Mitch Trubisky trade, two threes and a four. If it's just a three, I mean, the Texans aren't trading up to take a defensive player. So there's. If you just fall to two, take whatever they'll give you. I think it becomes a little more tricky if you you know team at five or six. Let's say like the Colts and the Panthers. I think prefer the rookie route over a veteran. I think we know why with the Colts. 
uh, and I guess to a lesser extent, a less uh, a similar to extent to the Panthers, they want a rookie. They want somebody that they can start to build around. But like, how far are you willing to go when you could miss out on Jalen Carter or Will Anderson? Um, or if you think that the drop off from those two, if you're trying to get a franchise cornerstone on defense, isn't that significant, you're willing to go into the the bottom half of the top ten. And then you're opening yourself up to get at least another first round pick. So it it makes too much sense. I I can't imagine they would not trade unless the Texans are offering virtually nothing or you are just so all in on that defensive guy that you think is a no doubt about it Hall of Famer. I mean, then take him number one and, and don't take your chances. But like, I think it'd be borderline organizational malpractice to not accept whatever the Texans are willing to give you just because that's just an extra piece. And and they're not going to insult you by saying, well, here's a seven. No, realistically, you could probably get an extra third round pick and you don't have to be worried. You don't have to be worried about them scooping up your defensive guy. All right, let's go back to the AFC championship game. He kind of gave us a little tease there. You got Burrow over Mahomes again. This would be the fourth win for Burrow. He would be 4-0. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, and all three in the past, what, year and a half have been three-point games, so they've been good. I just think right now uh, Mahomes is like almost a lock to be the MVP, and he deserves it. His stats, his season, the body of work over the course of the season, he was the best player in the league from start to finish. But over the last two months, in my opinion, nobody's played quarterback better than Joe Burrow. And really, like over the last month, he's taken it to an even higher level aside from maybe like that second half against the Patriots on Christmas Eve. I mean, Barrow's been, he he's just got that, that thing about like that early years, Tom Brady thing about him where you can see it in his eyes. Like he's walking onto the field. Like, I know I'm not losing today. And like, he's just so confident in himself and the system, what he's seeing and how he can attack a defense, how he can manipulate a defense and he's just going out there and doing basically whatever he wants. They start hot. Uh, they don't turn the ball over too much. It's just the Bengals are going into the playoffs a couple weeks going before the playoffs started. I thought the Bengals and the 49ers were the two best teams in the league. The Bengals have done absolutely nothing over the last couple of weeks to make me think twice about that. And then you throw Mahomes' ankle injury into the mix. I, I against Lou Anarumo's defense that just had a masterpiece against Josh Allen and Buffalo. I, I just, I think I would have picked Cincinnati without the ankle injury for Mahomes, And that just reinforces the pick for me. All right. How about the NFC game, which will, will actually be played first. Um, you know, I, I will get into our picks a little bit later in this podcast, but I look at the 49ers and to me, they've like the Bengals been just playing at, such a more consistent, higher level over the last two months. But yet it's like the quarterback matchup in this is do you really want to keep trusting Brock Purdy? I think that's the big question. Yeah, that this is a tough one for me because like I, I said, um, going into the playoffs, the 49ers were one of the two best teams in the league. And they struggled offensively against Dallas because of that pass rush. And then you bring in Philadelphia's pass rush, which I didn't realize this until the other day. They had 70 sacks in the regular season. Like that's like a com- that's like a comic book number. I mean, what do 
It was like NFL blitz back in the like these are video <laughs> game numbers that this pass rush has. 70 sacks is 15 more than uh the second place team, which might have been the Chiefs. Um you, you should see where the Bears are on that list. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I think they might be going into this next category. 70 sacks is twice as many as a quarter of the teams in the league. It might so there be were eight, three times as many as the Bears. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> I mean, there were there were eight teams that had 35 or fewer sacks this year. I mean, that's just, it's wild. And if you so, want to make it even worse, just narrow it down to the sacks the Bears defensive linemen actually had. Because most <laughs> most of their sacks were Jaquan Brisker and Roquan Smith, who wasn't even on the team for the second half of the season. Yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. They, kind of, they got rid of their two good pass rushers too, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I see how like those two things correlate. Brock Purdy didn't play as well against that Dallas pass rush, which is really, really, really good. And Philadelphia's by the numbers is even better. So, and then you kind of look at the other side of it. Jalen Hurts clearly wasn't too impacted by the shoulder the other day, although I think he was either limited or or missed the first practice of the week. So that shows you that he's still kind of dealing with something. It's just, it's such a good matchup. I mean, I spoke to, I've been doing these picks columns going into the uh, first two playoff weekends, got another one running Friday morning. I've been talking to coaches and executives around the league, getting their thoughts. And every single one I spoke to this week has picked the Eagles. So I, I like, I want to stick with the 49ers, but like just listening to people around the league and their reasoning for it, I think it's going to be the Eagles. All right. You would, you would think that Brock Purdy magic has to run out at some point. I don't think it does. No, I don't think so. That's <laughs> that guy's got, he's got, got horseshoes and rabbit's feet and they're everywhere. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm, Sort of with you though. You looked at like how many near interceptions he had in that game last week. You think that Eagles pass rush might be the difference maker. We'll see. The cool thing about this, Jeff, is I really do think we got ended up with the best four teams in the end. Yeah. And that's what's gonna make these two games so good, I think, is because they really could go either way. Um so anyway, we appreciate you jumping on, man. It's awesome stuff. Uh make sure everybody's following you on Twitter at Jeff P. Howe. And uh, we'll continue to be following your work through uh, Mobile and the Super Bowl in the next few weeks. We appreciate it, man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jeff. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Adam, I I like what he said about, he put it pretty strongly. I don't know if I'd use these words, but organizational malpractice. If the Bears don't trade back from from the first pick. Like, I understand that thought process. Um, I, I don't know if I go that far in, in putting it that way, but like I, I see the point. Like it's a unique it's such a unique opportunity for for Ryan Poles to, to to really build out the roster further than one player. Because we all know they're more than a few pieces away. Right? I, I get that like I don't know about you, but a, a Will Anderson and a Jalen Carter, at least at this point, 
on the 26th of January. They're, they're not blowing me away as some like phenomenal can't miss Hall of Fame prospect. Do you get that vibe from them? Um, like you're probably getting a pro bowler. I think there's a possibility. I don't know that they're for sure. You know, I, um, but I think that, I think that either one or both could have a, have a, um, Aiden Hutchinson type rookie season. I think they're in that category of very disruptive defensive players who can come on the scene right away. Two quick comparisons for you. Is Will Anderson like Julius Peppers, and is Jalen Carter like Warren Sapp? Because that's what I'm getting at. Right, I got you, and I and I and I think that's a fair point. And and also we're and we're gonna have a sort of a teaser if anybody wants to listen to more of this more in depth discussion on the roster on um, today. So today's Thursday, our CHGO show. If people want to check it out, but if I were to ask you right now, Johns, how many? So I finalized my grades last late last night, like all the stuff I do the last couple of weeks or when the season's over to kind of go back and make sure everything checks out, and whatever. How many players do you think the Bears had that actually graded out as actual starting caliber players? Defensively? Just overall in the entire roster. This speaks to what you're saying, that like one guy, especially on defense, is not going to fix everything. Are you counting injured players? Um, All right, let me go through the offensive. Play. Yes, I'm, I'm, ca- I'm counting player. I'm counting one player who's not even on the team anymore. Roquan Smith. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So offense, you got Justin Fields, Cole Komet, Tevin Jenkins, Braxton yeah. Jones, Darnell Mooney. Five. Um, surprisingly, I don't know. Well, I don't know if it's surprising. Braxton Jones actually graded out as a fringe starter when it was all said and done. It's a, so, I, I understand that. Yeah. Okay. What'd you do with Mooney? Mooney's in there. Okay. Mooney's in there. I, right. I'll just go down the list. It's it's Fields, Sanborn, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney, Tevin Jenkins, Cole Komet, Eddie Jackson, Justin Jones, Cairo Santos, the kicker, who actually did not play like a starter in the last few weeks, but he was so good early in the year that it still averaged out to that. And then Roquan Smith. So if you want to not include the kicker and not include the guy who's on the uh, Ravens with a $100 million contract, the answer is 10. So in other words, on his roster, as you know, they put it up in the big board in the house hall, they have... 10 starting caliber players. Did you see the listener uh, who tweeted us the um, the little post-it note from like draft day? Oh yeah. I forget what it said though, but it said it was the it was the Vontae Mack no matter what thing and it Just was crossed trade back, trade back no trade back what. no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that applies here especially with so many like like Braxton Jones can get better, guys could get better, but yes. An array yeah. of different needs. Well, and I and I, and, and I, I, this is why I hesitate to even go too deep into this. So again, we'll discuss all this more on the CHGO show. But everyone's, I know right away, gonna be like, "What about Jaquan Brisker? What about Kyler Gordon?" They're not there yet, man. They're good players. I would pencil Braxton Jones, Jaquan Brisker, and Kyler Gordon in as starters next year. I think Ryan Poles is doing the same thing, but they still got to get better. So, 
Um, here's the thing that I find interesting, though, about because I understand where Jeff is coming from, though, saying like, yeah, at least got to take like a seventh round pick or at worst <laughs> to trade back to number two. Got to get something. You got to get something. Um, there's two interesting things about that to me. If you're the Texans, one is whatever that ends up being. If you end up having to do that to get up to number one, that's the price you paid for getting that two point conversion at the end of that game. Like whatever it is that that fourth and 20 hail Mary ish play and the two point conversion <laughs> could cost you, you know, two third round picks more. Maybe we'll have to see. And that's just fascinating to me. But then the other thing is, you know, I could still see a scenario where the Texans don't feel like they need to trade up to number one. They may look at it like, because what if they have, what if they have two quarterbacks they like, and they kind of like them equally. Yeah, that's fair. You know and the Bears get, aren't taking one, and, and they know the Bears aren't taking one. But 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 they even got to. But they have to consider that the Colts might be their division rival might be jumping up ahead of them. But if they don't feel that strongly about either one, they might be like, "Fine, the Colts can have the other one. We'll take." But see, even in that scenario, wouldn't you rather, you know, give up something? To go up to number one to at least increase the chances that your division rival doesn't get the other one? Yeah. Does that make sense? I like what your mindset is because this is the mindset the Bears need the Texans to have. Right. You, you need those phones buzzing. You need to fall in love with the quarterback. And I don't I don't think quarterbacks are like other positions where you end up grading them evenly. We know right. that very well here in Chicago. Eventually, somebody stands out to you for whatever reason, and you make your move to go get that guy. So I know what you're saying. Maybe C.J. Stroud, and maybe it's Will Levis. Maybe that's who they got as their top two quarterback. They don't like the size of Bryce Young. And they're okay with either one. I don't think that's the case, though. I, I, I feel like teams probably talk about it too much to the point where one stands above the others. And... You just, again, look at the supply versus demand, and there's 14 teams right now that need a quarterback. Yeah. And there's only so many Tom Brady's and Derek Carr's and maybe a Hail Mary for Aaron Rodgers available. And Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't forget Jimmy G. But that's it, right? Those three, and maybe the Aaron Rodgers move? Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe depending on what the 49ers decide, somebody tries to trade for Trey Lance. I don't oh, you're know. Crazy. You're getting crazy. Well, I don't think I'm getting crazy. I think the NFL is going to get crazy. Like, yeah. I think these are some of the things we're going to see play out here over the next few months. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. I think they stick with Zach. Who's trading for Zach Wilson? One more year. Yeah, probably nobody. Um, Like, at least with Trey Lance, you could be like, okay, well, it's not really his fault. He got hurt. I'd still be scared of the fact he hasn't played football in three years, really. But, you know. Someone can. The point is, someone can talk themselves into a lot of things, and there's going to be a lot of that going on. And the Bears are still sitting in a perfect position to take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. Go stir the go stir the pot, Ryan Poles. Like yeah. go like go throw up some smoke screens. Get it really going. I'm I'm really fascinated though about the timing of all this because, like, let's say there is some Cabo convention on. Um, by the way, my in-laws are in Cabo right now. The weather sucks. What's going on with the world? 
This is the, I feel bad for them. You can't go to Cabo in a bad weather. No, no. Like, what do you mean? Like 50 degrees? It's like in the 60s and this is the, it's not the weather you go to Cabo yeah, you for. you go there for the 80 and sunny. Yeah. Um, lost my train of thought there. But um, if there is a Cabo convention on Derek Carr, just for example, or even Tom Brady, um, like that means you're making your decision – like those teams are making a decision right away that they're not yeah, going we'll, for the draft we'll, we'll, or well Jeff mentioned February 15th right that's when yeah. the movie has to be made that's two weeks that won't be official to the new league year which is March 15th because that's when his salary becomes guaranteed fully guaranteed yeah okay. for next season interesting yeah so that's two days after the Super Bowl Super Bowl week could be interesting. Always is. That's when the Alex Smith trade happened. Mm-hmm. When, when did the Matthew Stafford one go down? Just after the Super Bowl? No, that was still in January. It was... Um, was it, it right was, before the NFC AFC Championship game? Yeah, I think so. It was like January 30th or January 3rd. Yeah, I think it was like January 30th. So, um, I feel like the NFL used to hate when big trades and big moves used to be announced in like this time frame because they want to focus on the games. Yeah. Um, Ken said January 30th, 2021. Um, I don't think they care anymore. They own the news cycle in terms of sports. So a big blockbuster move or a quarterback gets moved, go for it. Let it leak. Yeah. No, oh, and, and it's great. I mean, it's great that that stuff... Because I, I remember when the Alex Smith trade happened, we're at the Super Bowl, we're actually at the Mall of America, the media party. And um, it's like, is that even legal to make a trade? Like, Super Bowl week? That doesn't sound no. legal. Yeah, yeah, those poor But it's not official writers. until March. Still, so it's all, those poor, yeah. all the beat writers, a few beers in, eating great food. Yeah. Come on, right now in the middle of the media party at the Mall of America? It's ridiculous. Move right. worthy of curse words in the moment. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I didn't have to really do anything. Just got right back in line with Tyler Dunn on whatever roller coaster we were about to go on. <laughs> we. It's great. Uh, all right, let's get to these game picks, and then we'll get out of here. Fox. I'm so excited for these games. Fox, 2 p.m., 49ers at Eagles. The Eagles, a two and a half point favorite. I, I got to agree with you. I, um, these are the best four teams. I feel that way. Jeff feel that way. You obviously articulated it pretty well. Um, I think Jeff convinced me to pick the Eagles. Mm. Something is like drawing me to pick the 49ers. I just love all their offensive weapons. I think Brock Purdy still made a couple great throws in that game. That like they just have, He impresses you every week somehow. Wasn't as pretty as the previous games, but that laser to George Kittle, which completely changed the complexion of the game. He makes throws like that every now and then, and he's he's, he's playing damn well. Um, I got to give him credit for it for being a rookie. Um, but the Eagles, like you, still want to take Jalen Hurts over him. Everything I just said about Brock Purdy, I still want to take Jalen Hurts over him. And I guess I am kind of torn on this as I go back and forth. But give me the Eagles by a field goal, so they would technically, well, they would cover. Eagles so you got him. You yep. got him covering. Um. All right. By the way, a little bit of we were talking about the. I offense. completely talked in circles there. 
Yeah, I, I don't did. feel good about my pick. It's a hard, it's a hard game to pick. Um, I was gonna say we we're talking to Jeff about this the offensive coordinator cycle. We we have a domino that just fell. Yeah. By the got? way, the Jets are hiring former Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator. Wow. According to Tom Pelissero. Of course, uh Hackett has been an OC in Buffalo, Jacksonville, uh, where he did call plays and had some overlap with Robert Sala there. And, uh, of course, was he was with Rodgers in Green Bay, but was not calling plays. Matt LaFleur was calling plays. So this will give him an ch- opportunity to call plays again. Went so well in Denver. Denver, amongst other things. Too. That's so crazy. Well. That's crazy to me. All right, um, back to the game. I'm sticking with the 49ers. I just think they're a machine. I think they're defense. I don't feel great about it either um, because I do think the Eagles' pass rush, I, I don't trust Brock Purdy. I'm sorry. I think he's, what he's doing is great. I think um, I, 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 I think he's good enough to win. Obviously, I'm picking the 49ers, but I go into that saying I still would... I trust Jalen Hurts more than Brock Purdy. It's a rare time where I'm going against the quarterback matchup because I just think the 49ers are so sound defensively. I think they're going to slow down the Eagles. And offensively, they have enough weapons that they always have an answer, whether it's lining Debo Samuel up in the backfield or or getting the ball to Christian McCaffrey. It just makes such a big difference. And I do trust Brock Purdy enough to keep the system moving. Where I'm nervous is I see this guy like Tua, Tua did a bunch this season when he was playing, which is like, yes, he can read the field well. Yes, he's making good decisions. There's not enough, enough oomph on the football sometimes, and he gets away with so many balls I feel like should be picked off. And it's like, this guy just got like magic dust. How the hell is he getting away with this? So the question is, does he get away with it again? The Eagles pass rush makes me nervous. But in the end, getting the extra two and a half in a game that I really feel like could go either way, I'm going to take the 49ers. Um, that's what I'm sticking with. All right. All right, CBS, 530, Bengals at Chiefs. This has been a wild ride on the old spread. Started with the Chiefs favored, went all the way to two and a half, I think, at one point with the Bengals favored. Then back to one last night. You got it listed here in our notes as a pick now, which is, I think, an indication that everyone realizes Patrick Holmes is definitely playing. Question is, how effective is he? I was kind of surprised listening to Jeff. He and I are on the same exact page when it comes to this. <laughs> so I mean, I, I. Yeah. I, I picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl when this all started. So I'm sticking with that. That's because I thought they could beat Patrick Mahomes with healthy Patrick Mahomes. When he got hurt in that game last week, I was like, oh boy, the Chiefs are in trouble. And I still feel that way. Like you just listen to doctors. You listen to players who have had high ankle sprains. You're not even anywhere close to 100%. You can play through it. And Mahomes is a magician. And I think he's still going to find a way to do some crazy shit to make this a close game. But Joe Burrow is just lights out right now. Yeah, yeah. He is the one quarterback who can outduel Patrick Mahomes. He's proven it three times already. He's gonna do it again. That's it. 
Zygarde. Ba- bangles. Bangles. Bangles, yeah. Bangles. Zygarde. Yeah. Um, Jeff broke it down quite well. And I truly believe just Joe Burrow's great, but that that team is good. Like yeah. legitimately top to bottom. That team has been the best team since November 1st in the National Football League. And I think second is the 49ers. When you just look at how they've played since November, which is to me what always matters. It's it's like but all four of these teams are obviously good and capable of winning the Super Bowl. So should be a fun weekend. Can't wait to watch it. Um and honestly, like as much as I want to be right about the Bengals pick, I'd I'd prefer to see Patrick Mahomes healthy and that becoming a quarterback duel. Yeah. But even if he was healthy, I think I'm picking Burrow and the, the Bengals in this one. They they just feel like the better team. Yeah. Um, and don't underestimate, obviously, the Chiefs have postseason experience, too. But just the Bengals being so close last year, I think, is fueling them again. So, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Hope everybody enjoys the football on Sunday. Should be a good day of games. Always a, always a fun Sunday. And uh, we'll be back next week. It's going to be an interesting week with the Senior Bowl going on and Luke Getze coaching, being the head coach uh, of one of the teams. So we should have some news. We know Kevin Fishbane's going to be down there in Mobile, so we'll have him on and keep you updated on everything going on from the Senior Bowl. I imagine he is, Luke Getze, I mean, is enjoying himself a little bit more than John Fox. And that he sees a little bit more value and what he's doing there from a coaching perspective and a scouting perspective than the former ball coach of the uh, Chicago Bears. Yeah, I think you're right. I think well done will be well said. Yes. Um, all right. Well, we'll have you covered from there. Make sure you're reading all the fine work on the Athletic Jeff stuff as well, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can find me at allchgo.com. And, uh, of course, Monday through Friday, we have shows for you every day at noon on YouTube. Check them out. Um, And uh, most importantly, tell a friend about this podcast. Rate us on Spotify. Do all those great things you guys do to help support us. We appreciate it. And the merch is up at ObviousShirts.com. Enjoy the football. We will talk to you next week. See ya. Point is, uh, those are some numbers.